That video just gets me pumped. Man, are you guys like, you just want to go do something epic? I kind of do. How are you guys doing tonight? You doing good? Question, how many of you guys have ever been afraid? All right, a lot of raised hands. If you're not raising your hand, I guess you're afraid to do that. Because we've all been afraid, right? Is anyone afraid of spiders? Snakes? Both? Neither? You're crazy. We all deal with different kinds of fear. Fear of the unknown, fear of a monster in the closet, fear of change, fear of people, fear of what people are going to think of us, fear of messing up, fear of rejection. It's just constant. We all have something that we're afraid of. For me, it's public speaking. I started getting scared when I was young. I had a lot of issues with fear. And it, it mostly manifested itself through sleep, through different sleep issues. If there's a sleep issue out there, I probably dealt with it. I've had crazy dreams. I've had nightmares. I slept walked, slept talked, night terrors, walked in my sleep. I said that twice. What else? I had insomnia later. I just, every issue with sleeping, oh yeah, the worst one. I wet the bed till a really embarrassing age. Any bedwetters out there? You're probably too scared to raise your hand, right? It was an embarrassing age. I didn't have a beard yet, though, so we're good. But, but when I was a kid, I had all these sleeping issues, and it just instilled fear in me. Like, like the bedwetting one, I can laugh about it, but as a little kid going to a sleepover at your friend's house, it's horrifying. But if they find out, it's over. It changed church camp forever. Bedwetting, it just instilled fear of what people would think about me if they found out. And I used to sleepwalk. Now, you might not think sleepwalking is an overly scary experience, but it kind of is when you're a little kid. When I was probably late elementary school, early middle school-ish, I started sleepwalking. And it started one night I went to bed like normal, and then I woke up in the middle of the night in a chair downstairs. And that was weird. And I thought that my parents had picked me up and moved me down there. And the next morning I asked them why, and they didn't know what I was talking about. And then the next night... I went to bed, and my brother had been painting his room, and so there's all the stuff all over his bed, so he went to sleep in the guest bedroom, and then the next morning, I woke up in the guest bedroom, and he woke up in his room, and everyone was really confused, because apparently, I had got up in the middle of the night and sleptwalked and got into the bed with my brother, which freaked him out, so he got up and went and got all the stuff off his bed and went to sleep in his bed, so it kept happening. I kept waking up in different places, and it was really weird, and I was telling people about it, and like, I was a little kid, and and some of the adults were really encouraging and comforting. They would say things like, you know, people die doing that. <laughs> yeah, people get into the knife drawer and hurt their family. People fall down the stairs. People walk out into traffic. And I'm just like, thank you so much for telling me that. That's so comforting. So I started getting really scared that I was going to hurt myself or I was going to hurt my family. So one night I decided to take action. I had a plan for this to just get rid of the sleepwalking. I took a belt and I tied it around my waist. And then I took another belt, like a robe belt, tied one end of the belt, tied one end of the bed frame. And I was gonna, I wouldn't let myself get out of bed. So I go to bed, I'm a smart kid, right? This'll work, I couldn't untie that if I'm sleepwalking, of course not. So I'm laying in bed. Now at the time, I was, as I mentioned, a bedwetter. So my mom would sometimes come into my room and get me out and she would get me up and go to the bathroom. So this night, she decided to do that, and she comes into my room, and I'm a deep sleeper. I love sleep, even though it's terrifying, but 
she starts trying to get me up, and I'm, I'm not aware of what's happening. I just, all of a sudden, I'm like getting pulled from the bed, and she's trying to pull me, and she's like, what is going on? What are you doing, Ethan? And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. And finally, she notices that what I've done, that I've tied myself to my bed, and she's, Ethan, what are you doing? I was like, Mom, I'm just protecting our family. <laughs> I tried. But has anyone here ever sleptwalked? Any crazy stories like that? What about night terrors? Has anyone ever experienced night terrors? Night terrors are terrifying. Now, a lot of people think night terrors and nightmares are the same thing, but they're not. Nightmares are really bad dreams. Night terrors are when you have a really bad dream and you're in such a deep level of sleep that you wake up partially during them. And so when I was a kid, I started having night terrors. And they're really scary because whatever your nightmare is, it feels really realistic. So if a monster is chasing you, it's real. If, if you have a million things you have to get done and you can't do it, it's real. Like, whatever the case may be, your night terror becomes very real. And I remember the first time I ever had a night terror, I went busted into my parents' room. And this is a true story. This is how night terrors can be about anything. My mom remembers, she kept hearing me say, William Shatner, William Shatner, <laughs> William Shatner. And apparently I had a dream or a night terror that William Shatner kidnapped me on his boat. It was really bizarre, but it was a night terror, so I was absolutely horrified, and every single night, I would wake up, and I would go running into my parents' room and flip on the lights, and I would be shaking and moving around, and my dad says he remembers, like, having to hold me because I was shaking so hard because I was so scared, and, and it was kind of, we didn't know what to do. We ended up going to the doctor about it. It was crazy, but it became so normal for me, that I would go to bed, I would say goodnight to my parents, goodnight mom, dad, see you in an hour, and go to bed, because <laughs> I would just every night. And so all these different things, the, the bedwetting and the sleepwalking and the nights and all these different sleep issues, just really, I have a lot of fear going through my life. I would always have fear of what people are going to think of me. And I was always have fear of new situations, and I would always have fear that whatever I'm afraid of is going to get me, and that I'm not good enough, just all these, these different fears. And a couple things I've noticed about fear is we all have it in one way or another. And two things I've noticed is, one, fear is always a matter of thinking whatever we're afraid of is bigger than us. It's going to get us. It's going to defeat us. Because if we didn't think that, we probably wouldn't be as afraid. But if we're afraid of something, that has power over us. Fear is always bigger than us. And the second thing I've noticed is fear paralyzes us. Fear stops us in our tracks and it prevents us from doing things, from doing amazing things or doing simple things. Fear is always something we think is bigger than us and fear stops us from moving forward. In my case and my parents' case, it stopped us from sleeping. So tonight, we're gonna continue in our series Stranger than fiction. And we've been going through the last couple of weeks, going through the book of Judges, and it's this really weird time in the history of the Israelites. They, they, they go through this cycle. They disobey God, and, some, and, and they turn from God, and then all this horrible stuff happens, and a disaster happens, and then eventually God delivers them. So this continuous cycle of disobey, disaster, deliver. And we're going to pick up tonight in Judges chapter 6. And what's going on is they have once again turned away from God, and they're worshiping a false god called Baal. 
And in this time, they've been being terrorized by this group of people called the Midianites. And the Midianites are absolutely throwing the Israelite people into a frenzy of terror, constant fear. They're coming and burning their homes. They're stealing them. They're, they're, they're murdering them. They're taking their livestock. They're ruining their crops. They've driven them up into the mountains, and they're, hi- they're living in hiding. And things are bad for Israel, really bad. And not only that, but they've turned their back on God. But even though the Israelites had turned to these evil ways and turned against God, God still pursued them. And that's where Gideon comes into play. Gideon is an interesting guy. He, he dealt with a lot of fear. He was afraid a lot. He came from what was, there's all these clans and tribes in Israel. And his clan was considered the weakest and the worst of all the clans, of all of them. It would be like Waukesha as a city in America, and people would, it would be as if people considered Waukesha the weakest. That's how many people they were, and that's how weak their clan was considered. And then not only that, but he was the least of his family, and he considered himself the least of his clan, which was the least of all the tribes in Israel. So Gideon, he did not have a lot of self-confidence. He did not think he was adequate. He had a lot of fear. So that's why God chose Gideon to deliver Israel from Midian. Check out what it says in Judges 6. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least of my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So immediately, Gideon questions God. First thing he says, whoa, if you're God, why is all this bad stuff happening? Why are we being terrorized by the Midianites? What about all those miracles that we've heard about? Why is there so much bad? And I can imagine most of us in this room have asked similar questions. But God moves forward and he says, I'm choosing you to lead my people out of that. And Gideon once again questions God. He says, wait, 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 God. You clearly, you don't know who you're talking to. You've got the wrong guy. I'm the weakest of the weak. The worst of the worst. Not even, my clan is horrible and I'm not even the best of them. There's someone else better. No, no, no. You, you go to a different clan. Go to a different tribe. There's, there's way better people out there for this than me. No, God, you've got, you've got this all wrong. And, and what's interesting about what God says is he doesn't tell Gideon, no, 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 here's why you're, you're worthy of this. Here are all your great attributes. He simply says, I am with you. God is with you. 
See, Gideon, he was already letting fear get the best of him. He was already thinking, you know what? The Midianites are bigger than, the, than me. There's other people better. I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not the guy for this. And he was letting fear paralyze him. He was letting fear stop him from doing something great. Already. But God says, no, 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 no. I'm on your side. I think a lot of times we forget about that, don't we? We get so caught up on our own fears and insecurities that we forget about God. So God tells Gideon, you need to, to lead these Israelites from the Midianites. And Gideon agrees. But the first thing Gideon has to do is not save the Israelites from the Midianites. No, the first thing he has to do is confront his own family and friends. Because remember, they had turned their backs on God. They were worshiping another God. They had built this altar to Baal. And they were worshiping that God. And the first thing Gideon had to do was get them back on track with God. Now, I don't know about you, but it's one thing to confront your enemies and people you don't like and people that don't like you. But have you ever had to confront someone you love? Man, that's hard. First, right out of the gate. All right, Gideon, here's what you got to do. So Gideon, he's scared. But he does it. He does it under cover of night because he's scared. In the middle of the night, he, he goes and he tears down this altar that they had built to Baal. In fact, his own father had built this altar. And he tears it down and he builds a new one with an animal sacrifice to God. And then the next morning when everyone wakes up and they come down, they see what has happened. And they immediately start trying to figure out who it is. They figure it out. They figure out that it's Gideon. And they immediately call for him to be put to death. So right off the get-go, things are looking great for Gideon and his fear. But of all the people, his own father, Josh, sticks up for him. And he says, wait, before we go killing people, if Baal is a real God, he can defend his own altar. And through this experience, the Israelites saw that Baal was nothing. And Gideon led them back to God. And that was the first step in this process. But then, so God gets Gideon through this first step, but then Gideon starts to doubt again. And he says, God, I just don't know. I don't even know if this is you. Is there some way you could just, is there some way you could just show me that it's you? And, and in, in Judges 6, 36 says this. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have promised, look, I will place a, a wool fleece on the threshing floor. If there is dew only on the fleece and the ground is dry, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you said. And that is what happened. Gideon rose early the next day. He squeezed the fleece and wrung out the dew, a bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, don't be angry with me, but let me just make one more request. Allow me one more test with the fleece, but this time make the fleece dry and let the ground be covered in dew. And that night God did so. Only the fleece was dry and the ground was covered in dew. So Gideon had some really specific quest of God to show him that this was legit. Have any of you guys ever prayed to God for some kind of proof? I remember when I was a little kid and I was waiting in my room for my dad to get home because I smarted off to my mom, I would pray that Jesus would return. Like, God, if you love me, just show me right now by sending Jesus. It never worked. But it worked for Gideon. But, you know, it's really easy to look at this passage and say, man, 
Gideon, come on, man. Look at all that God has already done for you. You're seriously questioning God. Come on, it's obvious, right? It's easy to look at this and think that. But man, if you're anything like me, I've spent my whole life getting proof of God and God showing me through dark ways and, and God showing me his power and God coming through for me. And then next thing I know, I'm asking God, are you sure? Can you just prove it to me again? Can you? We all do this sometimes. It's a product of our fear. But God shows Gideon again, yeah, this is legit. So they're able to move forward. God moves forward. So what's happening right now is the Midianite, they're gathering this army. They've decided we're going to take out Israel once and for all. It's going to be over. We're going to take them out. So while this Midianite army is gathering and getting thousands and thousands of men, Gideon is sending messengers all throughout Israel to get thousands and thousands of men. And he builds up this army of 32,000 people which is a really big army. And some people even believe it was bigger than the Midianites. And so Gideon's feeling pretty good, right? He's like, okay, I was scared at first, but God showed me, and then I was able to get my, my, my Israel on board, and, and we moved through that, and, and God showed me the thing with the fleece and all that crazy do stuff, so that was cool. And now I've got this big army, and I'm good, and, and we can move forward. So if people are feeling pretty good, right? But then... God kind of throws Gideon a curveball, and he says, Gideon, I know you've been spending a lot of time building up this army, but I think it's too big. So Gideon's like, are you serious? We've been, what, I thought, it's too big? God's like, yeah, it's too big. You're gonna need to, here's what you do. Just go ask everyone that's scared to go home. Okay. So Gideon goes to his army, hey, if you're scared, I know I just spent a lot of time, could you just, you can go. And guess how many people left? 22,000 people. I'm scared, I'm going home. Done. And so Gideon is left with 10,000 people. 10,000 men left. And he's like, okay, I guess this can work. So all right, 10,000, that's still a good number. We can move forward here. And God says, well, I don't know. I feel like it's still a little big. Okay. Well, now what? He goes, here's what you do. Take all your troops, take all your men down to the water and have them drink from it. And everyone that gets all down on their knees and laps like a dog, tell them to leave. And then everyone that cups and drinks like this, they can stay. So guess how many people left this time? 9,700. So there's 300 left. God takes this army of 32,000 men to, that he is, the Gideon has been gathering to defeat the Midianites and gets it down to about 300. Now, it made sense. I mean, God, God the people that left, I think, needed to leave. You know, the, the, the 22,000 left, they were too scared. I don't know if you want to go into battle with someone that doesn't want to be there. And, and, and the, the whole drinking thing, that was kind of tactical because if they're drinking like a dog, they can't really see if enemies are coming and drinking like this is more prepared for war. So it was 300 guys that weren't too scared to leave and that were prepared for war, but it was also just 300 guys, which is just a drop in the bucket of the Midianite army. And Gideon is really starting to doubt God again. And he's like, okay, 300 guys versus these Midianites whose camp was so big, you couldn't even count the camels. And so Gideon, he's getting, he's getting scared. 
So God tells him, all right, tonight you guys need to attack, but if you're still afraid, why don't you go sneak down to the Midianite camp and, and just listen. So Gideon and one other guy sneak down there, and this happened. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Josh, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and his interpretation, he bowed down and worshiped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camps to your hands. So once again, after all, everything is happening, Gideon gets scared again and God reassures him again through this dream. And Gideon rallies his army. Tonight is the night. All 300 of us, he gives them horns and he gives them torches and he gives them like pieces of pottery and shields to clank around. And he divides them into three camps and he says, all right, we're gonna surround this army and we're just gonna go crazy. We're just gonna run. We're gonna hold up our torches. We're gonna clang stuff together. We're gonna yell, ah! And that'll be good. And I bet his army's just standing around like, okay, that sounds like a great plan. But that's what the plan was. So they all get geared up, they surround the camp, and they get their torches, and they start running towards this camp of thousands and thousands and thousands of men that want to kill them with pieces of pottery and, and fire, yelling with horns. I don't know about you, but at that moment, I would be scared, and I would probably be thinking, man, I kind of wish I was one of those 22,000. I gotta change the way I drink. No, but so they're going, and, and this, is what, this is what happens. God set, a, he set confusion on the Midianite camp. They didn't know what was going on. They just heard all these sounds, and the Midianites started attacking each other. It was dark, and they were confused, and the Midianite army almost took themselves entirely out, and the, the ones that didn't, they, they ran to the Jordan River and Gideon and his army caught up with them and God delivered the Israelites from the Midianites in one of the weirdest ways possible. And all they did was run to this camp and yell and God did the rest. It's weird. I should be honest, it's stranger than fiction. But God kept his story and kept his promise and there's a lot of weirdness to this story, and there's dozens of lessons we could learn, but tonight, I just want to focus on one promise and one challenge. The promise is this. God is bigger than your fear. Gideon was full of fear. He was afraid of the Midianites. He was afraid of his own people. He was afraid of himself. He was afraid he wasn't good enough. He was afraid that there was someone else better. He was afraid of all this stuff. But God showed him that he was bigger than his fear. God didn't give him a pep talk and say, this is why you're good enough. He said, you've got me. I'm on your side. I'm bigger than all those things. I can do incredible things through you. You just have to obey me. You just have to take a step of faith. You see, God didn't define Gideon by his strengths or his failures or who he was. He just defined him by himself. He was defined by God. So I wanna ask you, what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of yourself? Are you afraid of failing? Are you afraid of rejection? Are you afraid of what other people think of you? Are you afraid of stepping out and doing something that you think someone else might be better for? Are you afraid of failure? 
God's bigger than all that. And you know what we have that Gideon didn't? It's Jesus. You see, this whole, all this, these stories in the Old Testament, this weird stuff, and the story of these Israelites, they all lead up to one story, and that's Jesus. And Jesus came, and he showed us what love was, and he showed us what unity is, and he brought people together. And he died on a cross to, to break the separation that we have from God. And he defeated failure, and he defeated fear, and he defeated sin. And guess what? We're not defined by our failure and by our fear and by our sin. Just like Gideon wasn't, but we're defined by Jesus' love, which is amazing. You see, God, he didn't dwindle Gideon's army down from 32,000 to 300 just for kicks. He did it to make a point. And the point is we need God. And he can do crazy things through us if we believe that and, and act on it. Yeah, we can accomplish things on our own, but we can accomplish so much more through God. So I have a challenge for you guys. First, I want you to ask yourself this question. Just think right now in your mind, what are you afraid of and what is it stopping you from doing? What are you afraid of and what is it stopping you from doing? You see, fear, you know what stinks about fear? It doesn't go away. Have you ever been in a moment in your life where you were terrified of something and you didn't want to do it, but you knew you had to and you went up and you, did you, and you just waited for your fear to end and then you acted? No. Your heart was beating, your stomach hurt, you didn't know what was going to happen, you were terrified, but you did it because the only way to face your fear is to face your fear. You can't just wait for it to go away. If everyone waited for their fears to go away, no one would do anything. What are you afraid of? What's it stopping you from doing? Maybe you're a new parent and you've got a new baby coming and you've never done it, you're horrified. Or you're getting ready to get married or you're getting ready to graduate from high school or college. Or maybe you've been checking out church for a while and you've got a lot of questions but you're just kind of afraid to ask someone because you don't want to seem like you don't know stuff. Or maybe you, you feel like, you know what, I need to take this next step. I need to get baptized. I need to give my life to Jesus but I've just, I don't know if I, I'm, I'm kind of afraid of that commitment. I don't know what that's going to do to my life. Maybe it's a serving opportunity that you could lead and you feel like, I kind of want to do this, but I just don't know if I, someone else can do it better. Maybe it's fear that's out of your control. Your parents are going through a divorce or you're going through a divorce. Or a family member, a friend is sick. Or you're sad all the time. Regardless of what you're afraid of, the promise is true. God is bigger than your fear. And even if your fears come true, and even if the worst happens, God is bigger than your fear. Faith is more than just believing. Faith is acting on what you believe. A couple years ago, I came here as an intern, as a student life intern, because I knew Brandon, so he hooked me up with a sweet internship for a year. So I was like, sweet, I'll do that. 
So I came here. I didn't really know what I was getting into. I just graduated college. And I spent, it was one of the best years of my life. I had so much fun. And then, and then come towards the end of my internship, an opportunity arose for me to get a job as the full-time high school pastor. Now, this was a little bit scarier for me for a couple different reasons. One, I had to move far away. I'm from Kentucky. It's a long way from here. All my friends, my family, everything I know is far away. So I have to leave all that behind. But then the thing that was even scarier is like, whoa, you want me to be a director of high school? You want me to be a director of anything? Do you know who you're talking to? I don't know what I'm doing. I just got out of college. I just did an internship. You got the wrong guy. I am for sure not good enough for this. There are better options out there. Like, whoa, I I just, I, I don't know. But it was still there. And they kept asking. And God just kept showing me that I wasn't getting anywhere. I was, I was frozen in my fear. And yeah, I could have gone home and lived with my parents and got a job at a coffee shop or something, but you know what? That would have been giving up. That would have been letting my fear move me backwards. And we don't want to move backwards. So I finally decided to face my fear and take the job. And I took it, and I'm not saying that that it's been a perfect year. I've had plenty of moments of fear that have continued, but let me tell you what, I'm so glad I did because every moment in my life where I've been faced with something that I was afraid of and I, and I faced that fear and I believe that God was bigger than that fear, I have, I have grown so much. And there are so many moments I can think of of missed opportunities and moments I, I chickened out on that I regret. Because sometimes you just have to take a step of faith and believe that God is bigger than whatever it is you're afraid of. Those 300 men charging on those Midianites were terrified, but they believed that God was bigger than that Midianite army, that God was bigger than their fear. What are you afraid of and what's it stopping you from doing? The challenge is this. Stop allowing your fear to control you and watch what God does through you. Let's pray. Hey God, I just wanna thank you for, for being there for us. I wanna thank you for being bigger than our fear and whatever we're thinking of right now, that we're thinking, man, I've just let this get me back way too long and I need to take a step of faith. I need to do something. Thank you for being there on the other side and being there on this side and being with us all the way through it. Thank you, God, for being bigger than our fear. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.